What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 32 of Preloaded. My name is Josh Finderup, and I'm joined, as always, by the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Vanover. How are you doing this week, Jackson? I'm doing great, Josh. I'm actually a little sad because uh, this is the last episode of uh, Preloaded. Just kidding. April Fools. I'm really <laughs> excited to get into the show today. Nice. Yeah, trust no one today. I guess this is <laughs> yesterday if you're listening to the podcast, but we are recording on April 1st. And uh, yeah, we have a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. A ton of cyberpunk news. If you've been keeping your ear to the ground, you know cyber or uh, CDPR came out with a bunch of news this week. So we're going to talk about all of that. Uh, we are also going to have a interesting deep dive discussion this week. It's the you know we're we're through the first quarter of the year, so we thought it would be a good time to take a look back at the best reviewed games of 2021. So if you're interested to see what uh, the best games of the year have been so far, at least according to reviewers out there, stay tuned for that. But first, you can catch every episode of Preloaded. We post the uh, video version on Friday over on Jackson's YouTube channel. He's J-V-J-A-Y-V-E-E. If you're not already subscribed to his channel, if you prefer to listen, you can catch the audio version over on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you are listening on any of those platforms, we'd love for you to leave a review or uh, uh, you know a five-star review or leave a re- written review if you're uh, really enjoying the show. You can also write into Preloaded at the email address preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. We welcome all of your, your comments and your uh, feedback, but we'd also love to get your questions at the end of the show. We dig into our mailbag, and we read one of your questions right here. So if there's anything you want to hear us discuss next week, write us at preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And with all of that out of the way, we are going to start the show as we always do with our segment, What the Hell Have You Been Playing, Jackson? So for me, Josh, um, I played a lot this week, but I want to focus on two games. Um, First is It Takes Two, uh, which is this really well reviewed we're going to talk about it later um co-op game i don't know if you guys have heard of it um but it is just such a an imaginative um it it just taps into what i remember loving so much about co-op games as a kid like split screen borderlands like uh portal 2 you know that sort of experience it taps into that and i haven't enjoyed a game with another just one more person as much as I've enjoyed It Takes Two in a very long time. So if you're really into co-op, it's also got this great thing where if you buy it once, you can give a free copy to a friend to play with you. I mean, it's it's just awesome. Um, so highly recommend. It's also only 40 bucks, so it's not full priced. Um, very cool. Yeah. Are you play- So you are playing it uh, couch co-op, not uh, online. I've actually done both, and okay. they they're, it's kind of an equal experience. Nice. Um, awesome. it's, it's obviously different, but because you're talking through a microphone, but still it, it, it really holds up. I've actually played it with my girlfriend and she's she's enjoying it. So so so, yeah, uh, I played that. But then Outriders is the most recent fresh thing in my mind. Um, it came out yesterday, according to when you guys are, are listening to this April 1st. And man, I am just hooked. I, I, I used to love Destiny when it first came out in 2014. Then I kind of trailed off. Um, and then I've been really wishy-washy on looter shooters ever since. But I, I love Outriders because it does, it's kind of like the anti-looter shooter. It does everything, um, it takes everything that's annoying about the genre, in my opinion, gets rid of it, focuses on what's actually fun, which is combat 
and loot that actually defines your play style instead of just being, you know, crunching numbers, slightly getting higher stats that you can't even feel. Um, it, it, it's it's very rough around the edges. It's kind of campy. It's like playing a, an action B movie, if you will. But uh, <laughs> I'm really having a good time with it. Yeah, well, <clears throat> it doesn't sound uh, doesn't sound bad to me, actually. Uh, I've never really gotten hooked by a looter shooter. Okay. But uh, from what you described, uh, it does sound uh, much better than, you know, I, I was anticipating when the demo came out all those, uh, however many weeks ago that was. So I'm happy to hear that you're liking it. It seems like a lot of other people are, too. Yeah, and it's free on Game Pass, guys. So totally. if, if you pay for that already, I think it's just worth trying. And there's also a free demo out there if you don't even want to buy Game Pass. So I, I also love what, just for a moment, what Square Enix and uh, People Can Fly are doing. Great communication. They've already made some changes based on feedback. Um, I just think you're in good hands if you invest in this game. That's awesome. Well, uh, very cool. Uh, I do have Game Pass, so if I do get the itch to check it out, I, I may do so. But uh, in the meantime, I have been playing uh, AC Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. That's all I've been playing this week. Uh, so I, I did decide to play that game, obviously, to completion. I'm almost done with it. And um, I'm really, I'm really liking some parts of it, and I'm really not liking other parts of it. Uh, okay. I, I dug into this game because you know some people had recommended it for its stealth, and uh, I have to say, like this is to me, this is not a stealth game. Um, it's, <laughs> it's an action adventure. There are stealth mechanics in there, but they're, they're, they're pretty basic, and maybe that's because this game is almost, te- it might even be ten years old at this point. Um, and you know the stealth genre just wasn't what it is now, or and I don't think so because this came out around the same time as like Splinter Cell. So I just think the stealth mechanics are pretty basic. What I love about it is the open world. I'm having a blast going around Rome. I love how you can rebuild the city, and uh, it you know keeps track of how much of it you've rebuilt. It uh, has some really nice progression in that way. Um, the economy in the city is rewarding. You know, as you get money, you can then pour that money into rebuilding the city. I love that stuff. Um, how you can recruit assassins and have them. Uh, that is one of the stealth mechanics that actually works pretty well. You can recruit assassins and kind of uh, sick them on, you know, <laughs> the on guards and stuff and stay hidden in the shadows. So the, the open world is cool, but the, yeah, the, the mechanics of the game are some of. Sometimes they just drive me crazy. Like the uh, the parkour system is, uh, you know, sticky when I don't want it to be, and it just jumps off randomly when I don't want it to. And um, oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's definitely an outdated parkour system. Uh, you know, going from the last uh, AC game I played Valhalla to this, it's just feels archaic. Um, the combat also is super frustrating at times. Um, I felt I feel like the new Assassin's Creed games are so fluid. Um. Yes, they can be easy at times. The combat is not challenging. At least for me, it wasn't in especially Odyssey, but also at times in Valhalla. But in Brotherhood, it's challenging for the wrong reasons. It just doesn't do what I want it to do. I I feel like I'm I'm trying to switch weapons, and it doesn't switch weapons. I'm trying to counterattack. It doesn't counterattack. So mechanically, game is frustrating as hell, but the open world is super addictive and super fun. So I'm going to keep playing, and I'm going to finish it. That's awesome, man. It's really cool to hear your perspective. Um, j- just from like a very broad um, uh, perspective, I'd love to know what you think about the condensed um, runtime of the game. Like, are you finding that better? Are you finding like not worrying about looting and gear and like switching and like that sort of RPG stuff? Are you missing it or does it just, you know, work the way it is? 
Actually, it's kind of a mixed bag on that because I I think I'm going to finish the game because it has a shorter runtime, so that's nice. But if I was enjoying this game as much as I was Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I would want the runtime to be longer because I'd want to you know spend more time with the game. So it's a uh, um, it's kind of an interesting take there, I guess. But uh, I, I also just I have so many games on my list to play that. Uh, I'm glad that I'm going to be able to finish this game sooner rather than later. Um, that might make it sound like I don't like the game. I do like it, but uh, um, yeah, I, 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 I welcome the shorter, the shorter, more condensed runtime. I am glad it's not as long as Valhalla. I will say that. Right. I was about to ask that. Yeah. So it sounds <laughs> like it sounds like your answer is it depends, which totally makes sense. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, because I, I I spent a lot of time with Odyssey, and I didn't feel like that game was bloated. Where even though I know a lot of people think that game is the most bloated of all the assassin's creeds so right yeah i mean i need to go back and play odyssey not to get off subject but um i'm interested to to see if i think it's more bloated than valhalla after valhalla yeah yeah and it 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 may be there's a lot in that game so anyways uh yeah gonna finish that and uh looking forward to eventually getting into unity and um syndicate to see how they fare awesome i'm excited to hear about it nice and with that, we uh, are going to dig into the top stories this week. We have one non-cyberpunk-related story to get into, and that is that uh, Call of Duty, uh, the next Call of Duty, will apparently take place in World War II. Uh, I'm not sure where this story came from in terms of outlets, but uh, it was revealed somehow to someone or by someone that apparently the next Call of Duty will be nick- uh, codenamed World War II Vanguard. I actually think I found this via Eurogamer. And according to Eurogamer, their understanding is that it, it is named Vanguard uh, and that it will take place in World War II, but that it might take place in a alternate future World War II or alternate history, I guess, where it takes place in the in the 50s instead of the 40s. And that, you know, obviously something happened that uh, caused World War II not to end and it went on longer. And so we'll get to see what what that entails. Uh, but there was another report that it will actually take place. And I don't know where this one came from, but someone else believes that this game will take place in the forties in a traditional world war two setting. So we don't know which, which one is uh, it's going to be. It probably won't be long before we actually find out. Uh, Cause this game is scheduled to release apparently uh, in 2021, which is no surprise there. And uh, lastly, it will be developed by sledgehammer games. And there's been no indication of whether or not it will integrate Warzone. So that's what we know, and kind of also what we don't know. Right, yeah. This seems like you're... um, It's so funny that this can feel uh, almost old by this point, but this feels like your bargain bin Call of Duty rumor, really. Um, This sounds on target. I could easily see them doing the alternate history or sticking to what they know. Alternate history would be more compelling to me. It's almost like a Wolfenstein situation, I feel like, um, if they were to go... Right. Yeah. In that direction. Um, I will say, I don't know anything um, if sales reflect this. I typically don't love the sledgehammer Call of Duty games. I just, I don't know. They don't, they don't grab me like Treyarch or Infinity Ward. Um, So I'll be interested to see what this game is. Yeah, me too. I I know some people it seemed online were a little bummed that World War II might be the next uh, setting, but uh, you know, if they can do something interesting with the alternate history, I'd be, I'd be up for that. Me too. And and plus, I don't know if you saw this, Josh. Um, there was a recent leak about the next version of Warzone. Now, this isn't the next uh, Call of Duty like we we're talking about, mm-hmm. but 
Uh, currently within Warzone, apparently the next version is going to be like 1980s. Like they're taking the oh. same map that we've all been playing for the last year and just giving it a 1980s spin, um, which is like a, a kind of a weird thing to do because I feel like a lot of people are uh, over it and kind of wanting a completely new map. But hey, Activision is on to something with Warzone, so we'll see. Yeah, they sure are. So uh, yeah, I hope that whatever they do, I just hope people like it uh, and that right. it's good. Yeah. So uh, look forward to that if you're a Warzone or a Call of Duty fan. Uh, and next, we're going to get into the big story of the week. And this is that uh, CD Projekt Red had a um, like a strategy call that uh, revealed a bunch of news, but there were also some leaks um, and there was the patch. So we're going to do this all. Uh, I'm going to try and get through this as uh, uh, streamlined as possible, but it is a lot of information. So first of all, the patch. Patch version 1.2 dropped. It's gigantic. It's, uh, I think, on most platforms, except for PC, it's over 40 megabytes or gigabytes, excuse me. So it's it's really big. The patch notes, if you've read them, are incredibly long. Um, but here are some of the highlights is that uh, a big one and one that I will notice if I fire up the game again is that uh, cops now behave more logically. I think they spawn further away from you when you commit a crime. So it's not like you commit a crime and then instantly have the cops on top of you. So that's nice. And then there were also some driving updates that uh, are worth highlighting. Um, steering will work better. Um, cars should be, um, you'll, I think there's like a tipping mechanic now. So if your car gets stuck on like a median or on top of another car, which actually does happen in this game every now and then, you'll be able to uh, maneuver off of it. And then they, they made it so cars will be- handle better when the frame rates dip, which as everybody knows, they do dip in this game if you're playing on console. Um, so those are some of the highlights, but there's a ton more. Apparently the game sh- should also run better, including on last gen consoles. Um, uh, be, if you've been playing these, uh, cyberpunk since the patch dropped, we'd love to hear your impressions in the comments. So that's the patch. Next, last week, I think late last week or maybe early this week, there was a DLC leak uh, via a Redditor with the username Prickly Assassin, and he claims to have found the names of some of the um, free DLCs in the back end of the Epic Games Store. Um, you can find the names of these uh, DLCs online, but just some of them are like the Ripper Docs expansion, Rides of the Dark Future, which sounds like it might be related to uh, cars. Um Another one is just kind of vaguely named Night City Expansion, which could be maybe a mission. Who knows? Uh, so they're really vague, but there are, uh, I think, 10 or 12 of these names that were leaked. And again, he thinks for some reason that these are the the free DLCs that CDPR is planning on launching. Uh, before I get going, any thoughts on all this so far, Jackson? Sure, yeah. So um, let's talk about the DLC Um yeah, this this feels like it's on target. Honestly, this this looks like stuff that I think CDPR will add, and a lot of it does sound like free expansions, like the Ripper Docs, the Body Shops, the Fashion stuff. That's like the Witcher Three style content that was free, um, mm-hmm. different outfits and stuff like that, and different functionality. So I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think there's a lot of um, you know legitimacy to the leak for DLC. Um, but again, we will also see paid dlc for sure uh, although you know who knows when we'll actually see that because there's other things going on um and yeah, then uh, oh sorry go ahead i was gonna say it's funny like if you were a playstation player and you, you play your games digitally like this doesn't even matter to you because this game still isn't on the playstation store it's so yes. bizarre. 
Yes, and CDPR actually talked about that. Uh, I, I read a little bit. I can't remember where it was from, but they were saying essentially that they think they're on the right path, but ultimately it's Sony's decision whether to add it back on, which is just mm-hmm. still mind-blowing that it's not um, offered on PlayStation. Yep. Um, but, you know, understandably so. And then I, I did check out the patch briefly. Um, I didn't play it enough, though, to form an opinion, but what I've really been seeing the sentiment is that this is just a fixes patch, which is what the game needs. So yeah. I'm not necessarily going to be dogging the patch. I, I I want the game to improve. I want my $60 that I paid, actually 120 because I bought it on PC as well, to you know bear fruit. I, I, I really do want to play a Cyberpunk that is 100% uh, fixed. Not 100%, but as much as possible. This is not that. This These are very small, very specific changes have been made with this patch. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... I, I probably won't fire it up just because that would require me to re-download not only the, I'd have to get the patch, but the game as well, and I just don't um, not up for that. But I, I did get the itch reading all this cyberpunk news to play it again. So, you know, maybe once uh, um, some more, either another patch or maybe some of this DLC drops, maybe I will check it out eventually. But um, moving on, the next, uh, and this is probably the more significant news of the week as far as cyberpunk and CDPR goes, is they had a like I said earlier, a strategy update presentation, which I do believe they posted online. I'm not 100% sure, but you should, if you want to watch this, uh, you should search for it, I think, or at least listen to it. I think you can find it. Anyways, uh, a lot of stuff came out of this. One big news story was that they, CDPR, are now apparently going to be developing multiple AAA games simultaneously starting in 2022. Uh, this is according to... Um, I think a uh, their CTO, their chief technology officer, Powell Zawadny, he had a, a long list of quotes in this call, but one of them is um, that their changes, quote, aim to enable them to work on multiple AAA games and expansions in parallel starting in 2022. It's obviously presumed that these will be The Witcher and Cyberpunk 2077. They did mention that they are going to staff up over the next year in order to make this happen. And so... I'm not sure if this is a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. It's like, it seems like they're, they already bit off more than they can chew. And it's like, are they now biting off more? I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a great point. Um, I look at this and I see like Ubisoft strategy written all over it. Um, Because Ubisoft likes to develop games in parallel. They did it with Origins and Odyssey um, to to get those games out uh, year after year. So it sounds like they want to position themselves to be able to put out content more often. But what people like about CDPR games, in my opinion, at least The Witcher 3, is that they took their time and really polished it and made it the best game it could possibly be. Not that they put them out frequently. So this is this is kind of weird to me, but I guess it would make them more money. Yeah, and I do think one thing that they mentioned on this call was that they also want to have uh, the multiple studios. I think that they mentioned that they might even expand to more studios, uh, maybe one in Vancouver. Don't quote me on that, but I think I read that. Anyways, yes. that that these other studios will be helping each other out, which only makes sense. And if they're not already doing that with multiple studios, I don't know why they wouldn't be, but they did stress that that's one thing they're going to do in the future. And I know Ubisoft does that, and a lot of other developers do that. Rockstar does that. So that that could only help the development of a game, for, for sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... uh um, the next thing that they addressed, or one of the other things they addressed, I don't know if I'm doing this in order or not, was they addressed crunch at CDPR, which is great. 
Um, they said that they're working to, quote, minimize stress and also, quote, prevent burnout. And part of this includes providing mental health support options to employees. Now, I did say it's great that they are addressing this in the call, but it is, you know, talk is cheap. So hopefully they follow through on this and it won't really be worth anything until they do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. But that is uh, very good that they're at least aware that that is a problem there. And then next they focused on this. I was also very pleased to see this. Better marketing is something that they want to focus on. Uh, particularly, they want to focus on shorter, having shorter marketing cycles, not revealing a game so far in advance. And also, they want to show actual gameplay in the future, not concepts, which is kind of, that's not a direct quote, but they did address that. And that's kind of an acknowledgement that they actually showed stuff that didn't make it in the game, which is obvious if you were paying attention to Cyberpunk. But uh, it's nice that they're not, you know, denying that that happened. They're kind of aware of it as and aware that it was a problem. And moving forward, we hopefully won't see that. Right. And I think it's on all of us to uh, keep them to their word. Yeah. Yeah. And they also mentioned that they want to continue showing footage for all platforms that a game is releasing on. So uh, that was one of the probably the most egregious uh, things they did with Cyberpunk was kind of not showing us the true form of the old generation uh, versions. Right. Uh, Just upfront honesty as much as possible is the best. Yep. And then the last thing that they addressed on this call was, uh, and this is a huge story as well, that their multiplayer version of, uh, or I shouldn't even call it a version, the multiplayer um, Cyberpunk 2077 experience that they were planning for I think 2022 has been is being reconsidered. This is a direct quote from Adam Kaczynski, who's the president of CDPR. He said, previously we hinted that our next AAA would be a multiplayer cyberpunk game, but we have decided to reconsider this plan given our new more syst- systemic and agile approach. Instead of primarily focusing on one big online experience or game, we're focusing on bringing online into all our franchises one day. So kind of vague. They didn't say that they're canceling it. They, But it does sound like, you know, if you were expecting this big AAA multiplayer experience next year, uh, I wouldn't count on it. I wouldn't either. Um, this is, I mean, it, it's not that shocking considering what happened. Um, but at the same time, I, I am kind of stunned that they're reconsidering it. I think it's a good idea for them ultimately because if they put out, you know, let's say they they. De- you know, devote so many resources to multiplayer um, that they don't devote enough to the single player and, and making that a sound experience, then people are just going to bury them further. So I, I do think it, it it makes more sense to kind of stick to what you're good at. But also, I'm really curious what they mean by bringing online into all our franchises one day. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, as far as I know, The Witcher doesn't have any online functionality am i am i i feel like i should know that but does it yes you're right it, it doesn't uh, gwent was a spin-off that is online but that's a completely different game yeah so yeah that'll be interesting to see what what happens there and i think cyberpunk is a game that's primed for multiplayer um if they could pull it off i think it could work great but yeah clearly they have to uh, make sure they have all their ducks in a row before they move forward on that right and um i i just wanted to briefly say i I'm rooting for CDPR. I, I know they messed up, but by now, man, they know. Um, it, it's it's up to us to keep them honest, obviously, but at the same time, um, just rooting for them to get it right. 
Me too. And you know, Cyberpunk was my, I think when we did our games, top games of 2020, this was my third favorite game of the year. I loved Cyberpunk, uh, despite all that was wrong with it. Uh, there's a great game in here, and I hope that they can uh, make it even better and uh, make it as good as uh, we know that uh, you know CDPR is capable of. Me too. And I, I actually really do want to replay it. I might replay it before um, it gets significant patching, but we'll see. With that, we are all done with the top stories of the week. We are now going to take our first break, and when we get back, we are going to get into our deep dive discussion around the best-reviewed games of 2021. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are now going to talk about the best-reviewed games of 2021. We're now through a quarter of the year, so it's a good time to look back and see you know, what what's kind of in the game of the year running. Um, and so, Jackson... Uh, were there any? Have there been any standout games for you so far before we get into the list? Yeah, so for me, um, It Takes Two is probably the standout here. Um, and I haven't even completed the game, but it, it's just like a game that down to its essence is very compelling to me. Um, that is probably my favorite game of the year so far. Nice. Yeah, uh, it seems like that's the case for a lot of people of, of all the games on this list, which we'll get into. It seems like that one might be the one that's the most uh that's maybe in the lead, if you will, for, for game of the year so far, from what I can tell. Uh, for me, it's it's Hitman 3. It's no surprise to anyone listening to this podcast. That's my favorite game of the year by far. Um, just love the, the the stealth gameplay, the sneaking around, the creativity that that game lets you, uh, affords you, the sandbox is just, uh, if you ask me, an amazing experience. And they keep uh, paying attention to it. Uh, there's been some good uh, post-release content for it as well. So those are kind of our standouts. But if you're curious, we uh, do these or we, we reference Open Critic to get these uh, ratings and to, to order this in terms of uh, the best to, well, I, I shouldn't say worst, but best to least best reviewed game. Um, the top of the list is Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And I also will say this is more a list just of the best reviewed games. This is not our favorites because. Just as the the way the year has worked out, Jackson and I actually haven't played a ton of these games. Um, <laughs> no, so. yeah, and, and you know it just kind of depends on the year. But I have a I have a feeling that this next quarter that we're going into is going to be the same. I don't think there's, I mean, uh, just uh, historically, there's not as many games. Yeah, there are more that I'm interested in in Q2 than Q1. But for Q1, it was uh, for me it was slow month, which was nice to let me play a lot of stuff on my backlog. But anyway, so getting into the list. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury has an 89, and I am interested in this game. I just, I, I'm kind of, I just don't feel like paying 60 bucks for it. I don't feel, I, you know, <laughs> Nintendo's games are worth it, but uh, they're great games. But for some reason, this just didn't seem worth that premium price tag for me for some reason. It's kind of weird for a Mario game. Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm the lesser of the Mario fan of the two of us, or Nintendo fan for that matter. Um, but yeah, this didn't this didn't grab me as something I needed to play. Yeah, Bowser's Fury does look cool, so um, I will eventually uh, pick this one up. The next best reviewed game is the Neo Collection, which is uh, you know kind of a remastered. Uh, it's a collection of both Neo One and Two remastered with all the DLC, uh, which is a great package. Uh, again. Going to the price, I think this was on PS5 anyway, a $70 game, which to me was too much. And I, I own both of the previous versions, even though they're on my backlog. I would love to get into Neo. Um, maybe one day I will. I would too, but then I go back to the fact that I still haven't beat Demon's Souls. I need to beat that <laughs> game first before I think of any other Souls-like. 
Yeah, and I just downloaded or bought rather it's on sale. I just bought for 15 bucks Dark Souls 3. I've tried 1 and 2, haven't been able to get through them. People tell me Dark Souls 3 is is much better, so uh that that's probably ahead of Neo on my list. But the Neo games are fantastic. Um, by all accounts, if you're into Souls likes and you want to play the best version of these games, this got an 88 on Open Critic. Uh, so apparently, uh, they did a great job uh, remastering and and kind of putting the the full collection together. Right, I definitely want to play it at some point. Yeah, and next up is It Takes Two. Yeah, 88 uh, percent, which is a great score. Uh, and yeah, people just this game seems to have blown just about everybody away who plays it. It's it's so fun, um, just very unique ideas, um, but it really does encourage co-op. Like it's all about the co-op, and it's a very fun experience to have with another person. Yeah, how's the platforming in it? It's great. Um, you've got your jump, your double jump, your jump, jump, dash. Um, but then there's like a lot of tools that you can use, and they're all unique. You never use them twice outside of an area, and they're very rooted in that area. Um, that that's, probably sounds vague if you haven't played the game, yeah. but um, it's awesome. It's very creative. Yeah, cool. Yeah, this is a game that looks uh, looks very fun, and uh, I, I may dip into the multiplayer realm to to, to check it out. Um, speaking of, the next game on this list is Monster Hunter Rise, which just came out. That's sitting at an 87% on Open Critic. Uh, seems like people really like this game. I wish I could get into Monster Hunter, but man, I, I tried with World and just couldn't get into it. I actually, Monster Hunter World was the first Monster Hunter game I ever played, and I enjoyed it. Um, but from what I've seen, Monster Hunter Rise is a lot of the same, and I, I just don't want, I don't like it enough to just play a lot of the same, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. No, that, that makes sense. And um, I, I, yeah, I don't think I'm going to get into this, but again, I, I kind of wish I could, but it, it, it also could be the, the multiplayer element of it. Um, not to sound too, man, I must sound so, like such a hermit, but I'm a single player uh, junkie at heart. Josh, it's okay if you hate other people. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes I do, but for the most part, I, I like other people. Um, but if I really feel like I hate other people a lot, I can play the next game on this list, which is Hitman 3, where I can just kill people. Um, <laughs> and this game is it's sitting at an 86%, and what a game. Loved it. Uh, again, not to reiterate, but some of the best sandboxes in all of video games. And if you haven't played a Hitman game and you download Hitman 3, you can get the previous games and you'll have all, I think there's like 20 or 18 levels in the base games, not not counted the DLC. So that's, that's awesome. But anyway, yeah, Hitman 3 is fantastic. Uh, they just patched it to fix the trophies. So I'm going to try and, I'm going to try and get the platinum in this game. That's my next, uh, the next thing I'm, I'm trying to do in Hitman 3. Awesome, man. Yeah, I think this is gonna when it's all said and done, twenty twenty one, it'll it'll round out. Um, it, it'll be in my top ten at, at some level. I'm not sure what it is, but I really enjoyed it when I played it. Yeah, yeah. So uh, definitely recommend checking that out. And then we have so those are the top. I guess that was the top six. Uh, but we do have some other uh, honorable mentions here, uh, and one maybe dishonorable mention. Um, so some of the games that have reviewed well, or just bigger games that have come out. Um, uh, Loop Hero is an indie game that looks super interesting. Have you seen this game, Jackson? I have briefly. Yeah, and you, you like build this loop, go around. It's kind of like a roguelite, and you rebuild the world around you. It's incredibly difficult to explain. It's an indie game. You should definitely check it out if you're into kind of um, 
uh, different, just different experiences and you like RPGs, uh, definitely check it out. Then there's The Medium, which I played, got a 75. Um, I probably actually would have rated it even a little lower than that. But um, if you're into adventure, horror adventure titles, definitely check this out. Um, Destruction All-Stars is sitting at a 63. That didn't do so hot. Little Nightmares 2, which I do want to check out, is sitting at an 83. And then Crash Bandicoot 4 is at an 85, uh, which that – didn't that come out last year? Um, I may have screwed up on that. This might be a re-release um, on the new consoles. Yeah, yeah, it, it did get released, yeah, for the PS5. So uh, I actually own this game, and as a platforming fan, I think I owe it to myself too, and a Crash fan to play this. And then um, Everhood is like this almost uh, – gosh, what's the RPG that everybody loves for – for PC and Switch. Man, I'm forgetting the name. PC it's like a and black Switch. and white. Uh, oh. oh, um, Hollow Knight? No. Mm. Totally blanking on this. But anyway, Everhood is like this indie RPG, and it has a really interesting combat system where you're fighting um, enemies in a rhythm. It, it turns into a rhythm game when you're uh, fighting people. And somebody recommended this game to me on Twitter. I'm not sure I'll check it out, but similar to Loop Hero, if you're into kind of offbeat RPGs. This one is getting incredibly Oh, are you talking about Undertale? Reviews. Undertale. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of visual similarities to Undertale. Gotcha. And I think uh, tonally also, but um, that's a that's a outstanding comparison. If, you, if you're getting compared to Undertale, you're probably a decent game. <laughs> True. Um, and then the the dishonorable mention that I, I talked about earlier was is Balan Wonderworld, which is getting a 49%. Uh, that game, it's kind of a heartbreaking story behind that game, too. The creator of it is the guy that made Sonic, and Square Enix said, like, you've got one chance to uh, get back into the platforming genre. We're going to let you make one game, but this is your one shot, and it's just not not a good game. Man, that sucks. Yeah, it is <laughs> yeah. a sad story. Yeah, so um, that was a lot of me talking there. Uh, I know we're kind of running long on time, Jackson, but uh, I should I should not take all the air out of the room. Did you have any, any thoughts on these? Oh, yeah, no, you're good, man. Um I would just say, yeah, Q2, like you said earlier, is is uh, has some more interesting games. I'm excited for it. Um, however, uh, guys, expect this. I still think to be a thin year. Expect more delays. Expect this to be a very like backloggy year. Um, yeah, is what I would say. Yep. Yeah. There's three games on my list for Q2, which is not a lot, and then we don't even know what's coming out Q3 and four because the delays have kind of kept things from releasing and uh, people have been reluctant to announce actual release dates. So it could be, it could be a slow year. Yeah. We'll see at E3. Cause it's interesting if, if there's projects that don't have defined release dates, like when E3 rolls around, are they going to say, yeah, it's coming out this year. I mean, I think you'd be more hesitant because of all what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be, it'll be very interesting to, 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 yeah, pay attention to E3 and whatever else goes on during that time of the year. So stay tuned for all of that. We are now going to take our second break, and when we get back, we are going to dig into our mailbag. So we will be right back. And we're back. We are now going to dig into our mailbag. You can write into Preloaded if you want to have your question discussed on the show. The email address is preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And we also reached out on Twitter this week for questions. So if you aren't following either Jackson or I on Twitter, uh, I am at Quest Mode Games. Jackson, where can people find you on Twitter? I'm at JV on YT. So if you have a question you want to ask us, uh, you can just 
um, at us at Twitter on Twitter and uh, ask us your questions. So uh, feel free to do that as well. This week, we got a question from Melting Time Zone or at Melting Time Zone on Twitter. So thanks for the question. And he or she asks, what do you guys think is the future for NPC AI on next-gen consoles? Hitman and Watch Dogs already did some interesting stuff on last-gen, but I'm curious, really curious, what developers can do with the new hardware? Jackson, what are your thoughts here? Uh, as Josh said, thank you for the question, and also great question. Um, I really thought about this, and it's interesting. I, I think that increased hardware, uh, we kind of already saw it with like the under-the-hood trailer for Hitman 3. That's what sticks in my mind. Um, it allows them to just run more simulations. And so I think we're going to see broader experiences, which is what I would call watchdogs. I mean, it does do some really cool things with AI and kind of randomized characters. But um, I think we're going to be able to see uh, both broader and deeper AI experiences. So what that really means is more randomness. Like I I'm looking at the next Rockstar game, for example, to really, really redefine and push what we expect from AI. They always do a great job with it. Uh, so I, I just think it's going to be more surprising than what we've uh, had so far. Yeah, and this having gotten into stealth games, which heavily rely on enemy AI, I've given this a lot of thought lately. And what I'm looking forward to is AI that does what it needs to do to make the player's experience better regardless of whether so in a, a game like maybe maybe a grand theft auto is a good example where you, that unpredictability kind of adds to the emergent experiences that come from a game like that but then with hitman one of the interesting things i found when researching that game is that they intentionally made some of the ai dumb so it would be predictable so you could then plan your attack accordingly and you wouldn't have to wonder is this enemy going to go here or there you knew where they were going to be at any given time so you could um, plan your assassinations. And that worked great for me. So in some cases, maybe it's just that the AI is programmed to be kind of dumb, at least on as it appears within the game, but it's actually doing exactly what they intended for it to do, which is probably no easy feat on the development side. So um, I, I would be open to either of those going one way or the other. But uh, as long as the, as long as it does what the game needs, I'm, I'm just hopeful that the AIs are more... Uh, um, that they 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 do what they're supposed to do, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's funny that you mentioned that, Josh. Of course, I, I did a preview and I came across the same note on Hitman. Apparently, for stealth games across the board, you need predictability, or else yeah. it just breaks the whole experience for the player. So, um, yeah, I, it's smarter AI is probably what um, we're all hoping for. Yeah. So, great question. Melting time zone and anyone else on uh, Twitter out there again, you can uh, send us your questions there. Uh, please do if you're not already following us. Uh, I think we have on YouTube anyway. We have our Twitter handles listed in the um, in the video. So uh, with that, we are going to wrap things up. Uh, and again, if you want to write in, it's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. But with that, we are going to wrap things up. If you're listening on the audio. Uh, platforms. We'd love for you to subscribe and rate us there. Before we sign off, Jackson, anything you want to plug on your channel? Uh, yes, I'm working on a short uh, Outriders video. It should be out in the next day or two, and then expect something Assassin's Creed related next week. Nice. And I just posted my Kana Bridge of Spirits preview 
where I cover everything we know about that game. Uh, it's, uh, it's underperforming, so definitely uh, head on over and, and give it a click if you uh, are interested in that game. And um, with that, we are going to sign off, and we will see everyone next week here on uh, Preloaded. Bye, guys.